Oh, oh, that's right. This is V18 <laughs> of the Club Cool Podcast. This is our spooky season Halloween special. Yeah, that's right. We're dropping this thing right on All, all Hallows Eve, All Hallows Afternoon, if you will. Everybody loves Halloween. Everybody knows that it's spooky season. So we've got some special guests, some special topics to talk about. And I'm sorry that I had to hit you with my my scary ghost voice. I didn't I didn't mean to scare you. You know, we we tried to get the Ghostbusters theme song, but it turned out to be too expensive for this um, small to medium sized podcast. Really, it's okay. You know, we just we we, we got to use what we have, and that's fine. Uh, in honor of spooky season and of Halloween, we're going to be talking about The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. We're going to let that segue us into a, into some uh, horror scary movie talk. And then uh, then we'll hit some we'll hit some style notes. Let's say hello to our guest today, your favorite unofficial co-host and recurring guest Phil Battaglia. What's up? Hello, Reddit's your Reddit's favorite. The Reddit board loves nice. you, man. They love you. Good. Love to hear that. And spooky season expert himself, Mr. David Ruff. The Reddit board hates me. <laughs> <laughs> but hello, boys and ghouls. Ooh. Ooh, man. Spooky. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. This <laughs> Halloween special is off to a great, great start. Quite a delight. Yes. Now, Dave, you know, I, I, I noticed that the word spooky was being used just all over the place late September, early October. And as soon as I made, I feel like as soon as I made that realization, like I saw a tweet from you or from Touching Base or from something. You guys were early adopters of Spooky Season. I want to give credit to at Duda, at Deuteronomy, John Duda, because he mentioned Friend it on Twitter or somewhere. And it just, it, it, it was everywhere. And I feel like it's one of the few internet things that the kids are running with that Touching Base was early on. Yeah. Normally we are the the death sentence. <laughs> when a meme is has made it to touching base, it means the meme is done. Yeah, and uh, we were actually I don't know if we were ground floor, but we were friends and family round. So we got some investment in there. Okay. Well, you you've taken it to a new level. You've been uh, telling scary stories on touching base. Yeah, I kind of went all in this year. Yeah, that's I mean you know people like w- that warning to the scaredy cats out there. Yeah. Right. I got some really good feedback on it, and I honestly thought people were going to hate it. Because anytime I'm reading a story, and it's a lot of airtime of me, in my head I'm like, oh God, you're talking too much. People are going to hate this. But the feedback was great. People got a, a lot of scaries. Some people say their wives made them turn it off because they were getting too creeped out, specifically with the one from my hometown, <laughs> yeah, Duncanville, Texas, home yeah. of the Panthers. But uh, yeah, man, it's been fun on Touching Base and... Glad, to, glad you had me on. This is going to be a good podcast. Yeah, yeah good. Uh, well, happy Halloween to everybody out there. Earlier on the Club Cool podcast Instagram account, I posted some of my favorite stylish villains that that I hope some of you are, are dressing up as. Anyway, if you get off a dope fit that is also a Halloween costume, make sure you shoot that stuff to us, man. We'd, we'd, we'd love to see it. We'd uh, we'd love to post and uh, and see what you guys are rocking out there for Halloween Real quick, before we jump into some spooky show talk, I did want to apologize. Last episode, from about minute 17 to minute 20, we had technical malfunctions. You can all blame producer Micah for that. And uh, just to recap what you may have missed, we did a little denim and jean talk that kind of skipped around. But 
the the heavy recommendations were coming in on Levi's 501s with no stretch. Dylan likes the 514. It's like an athletic slim fit. That's what he found. I've had a little bit of luck with the Bonobos Traveler jeans. And then the, uh, you know, we, we the, fall, the old classic fallback is that Wrangler kind of bleached out cowboy cut. But we're kind of backing off of that because... It's just so it's 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 almost cliche at this point. It's so fratty. It's so young guy. It's so western. It's so country. It's just you know you've got you've got all these stereotypes that kind of come with that particular pair of jeans. Anyways, it, it only bounced around for a few minutes though. I do apologize. All right, let's jump in. So there's a new show on Netflix right now, and no, this is spoiler free. By the way, everybody, you do not need to skip ahead. Spoiler free. I've only watched the first two episodes. It's called The Haunting of Hill House. It stars one of my all-time favorite actresses that's like, oh, yeah, I recognize her from, like, a bunch of stuff. Her name is Carla Gugino. I've always had a big crush on her. That's a great description of her. Yeah. Because I did the exact same thing. Yeah. I said, I know her from somewhere. I just don't know where. But just, you know, one of those actors that is just, she doesn't age, you know. She looks the same as she did in Sin City 15, 16 years ago, or, or and 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 looks great, and is a good a good actress. Had a nice run on Entourage there, I believe. Indeed, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to talk about this show because this is the scariest thing that I can remember in a really, really, really long time. Wow. Yeah, and I, I, I was talking about this on my on my high school uh, group chat thread this is the the most scared i've been watching something since i saw the ring in theaters hmm. that's that is how glowing of a re- recommendation wow. i i give this show if you are looking for a true fright what is it in particular to not give away anything that makes it extra scary for you does so, it so that's kind of what i wanted to talk about a little bit is horror is different for everybody yeah. like everybody has like their different buttons and their different cues about what exactly it is that they find horrifying or really just like you know skin crawling and so for me this one is like building tension in all the right places it's like a very slow build, but then it it kind of always gives you a little bit of payoff as well. Like some movies kind of do like this like slow boil and then it's just a slow boil and they, they don't really ever kind of like capitalize on it. But for me, Haunting of Hill House is like doing this slow tension building, the you know, it's crescendoing and then the visuals, it's really the visuals that are really hammering it home. It's just the type of shit that I find so scary. Ugh. Like like stuff that see how I can put this. It's it is it's unsettling. It like American visu- horror stories. It's visually stuff? unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, but it's scarier than American horror story because it's not American horror story kind of leans into it, campiness sometimes. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Where it's like almost like over the top. And this is like this is not trying to be campy or funny with the scares. So it could be real. It could have actually happened. Yeah, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. And so I just, uh, Phil, I know you haven't seen it yet. Correct. But Dave, you're all the way through it. I'm done. And I just, I, I wanted to get your t- like. Are you feeling the same way? Is this? Yeah. Am, am I out of bounds here? Or, Absolutely or? not. Um, I felt like I didn't. I had a pretty low bar for it when I turned it on because. 
I feel like most most um, shows in this genre miss the mark. So I kind of expected it, and I thought it was going to be a show that I watched while I you know check Twitter on my phone. But it was not that. And from the first episode, it grabs you, and the the storyline is really good. The writing's very good. The casting is very good. Like the daughters, mm-hmm. they all. I don't know. Like it just all fits together. Like the family's very believable. Yeah. And minor spoiler: there's going to be some ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ghosts are particularly well done. It's yeah. Just, it's. Like Barrett said, there's not a lot of over-the-top stuff that you see in a lot of the modern horror genre. A lot of it's psychological, and it's just... It's pretty terrifying. It's definitely something that, you know, if you if you get scared easily, you're not going to want to watch it when you're home alone. So are, are you guys fans of the genre? Do you like scary stuff? Do you like scary movies, that, that horror films, that type of thing? Not in particular. Okay. I used to be really big on it. So I kind of grew up on it, actually. I, I've kind of come around on it a little bit lately and I think it's because I started going to see some of the movies that were touted as like being very very scary and none of them were really that scary mm-hmm. a lot of them were pretty fun so but the one that comes to mind most recently is I saw A Quiet Place mm-hmm. and and like that was supposed to be a horror film? I mean yeah pretty much I want to see that it was good it's kind of a thriller slash yeah. horror film you know you say the word horror now and like automatically you kind of like jump to slasher flicks yeah that's true but really it's a lot broader than that and so i mean a a quiet place like maybe it kind of like blends into like some sci-fi type stuff Mm -hmm. but but it's it's supposed to be a scary movie but like that one was a lot of fun and but i was never like you know quivering during Mm -hmm. or or, i didn't feel the need to like pull a blanket up over my eyes no and like a quiet place you're on the edge of your seat yeah it's very it's the most tension filled you'll ever be watching a movie but it's not like it's not scary yeah you know what i mean right but i, I don't know if i would call it sci-fi horror blend yeah sure i think that's fair and then the one before that that was like supposed to be like so scary that we went to see was called the witch and it was like it was good it had some really good piece of like scenes and and little you know uh just like moments that were like very scary but at the end of the day, like I wasn't scared during that movie. And and what I always throw it back to is the ring. And do you know what I was when the girl crawls out of the TV in the ring? That's like it was like the first of its kind kind of it was the first one to kind of do that that little mm-hmm. that bit basically of like it the is, creepy yeah. dead girl like crawling around in a way that that a human body shouldn't really be move, be able to move. It, it seems like now every horror film has some sort of girl on a ceiling. Yeah, that's yeah. crawling. The, what the what the ring started was the thing that you see in like so many trailers now, where somebody is like walking kind of backwards or like <laughs> on their hands yeah. and downstairs, or yeah. your knees are bending in like the opposite <laughs> direction, yeah. and it's like that. It, so, as, but what I was going to say is like as scary as that was. Do you know what the, what the part of the ring that just like absolutely made my skin crawl and like made me want to like shrink down into my seat was? It was the it was the video. It was just like those that weird grainy film of like the ladder sitting up against the loft. Because it and seems like, real. I and like be the done. bug just like crawling. And it was like Ugh. that type of stuff is so visually unsettling to me because mm-hmm. it's like 
it, it just like gets in your mind because it's not anything and yet it's something. It's like this visceral, just like kind of it's <laughs> Dave's smiling because I just used the word visceral and now he can't think of anything <laughs> else but Ted Cruz talking about queso. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize. But but yeah, like that's so that's what this show is doing that I had and I haven't seen anything that kind of like got me in that place in a really long time because it's like it's just like it's doing things that are very subtle but are very chilling kind of i'm gonna sound like movie guy or whatever but another thing with hill house the cinema the cinematography i got that out uh <laughs> it's it's excellent you have to watch like you're watching the characters and, and they're di- listening to the dialogue but like the background in almost every shot, there's there you you'll just notice things. It's just creepy as yeah. hell. Yep, it's unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, to your point, the ring. I feel like after the ring, maybe Paranormal Activity. I was in on those first couple. I think they're still making them. I haven't I haven't <laughs> gone back after the second. Yeah, we're, we're on like number nine now. I yeah, think. like because you're looking like when they would show the um, like the nanny cam or just the security footage from Paranormal Activity, like those scenes spliced in. It felt like you're looking at like your own security cam and you just for a minute there you kind of suspend your own like where you're at your belief do you guys have like anything that sticks out in your mind as the scariest movie you've ever seen yeah um it always you know it goes back to when you were a kid and you're extra scared of everything Mm -hmm. but i'll never forget these two movies it the original which was like a TV miniseries, right? Was it? Yeah. But then it re- you probably had like the VHS, which uh, they released well, as... Well, not only did we get the VHS, we rented it. <laughs> okay. And it was two VHS From Blockbuster? Yes. <laughs> and The Exorcist. Okay. That scared the shit out of me. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Anytime demons are involved and in, in shit like that. And, and that was the bring... first time I'd ever been exposed to yeah. such evil... Well, it's scary because they, you know, anytime they're bringing a priest in yeah. and they're doing all that, it's like, oh man, this is, this yeah. is hardcore. This and isn't just some, you know, guy with a mask on with an ax. It's much more, you know, deep than that. And at the time I was just a, a intro into Catholic school. <laughs> and so then you go to school the next day and there's priests around and that that could be us man yeah (laughs) strapped to that bed throwing up everywhere yeah yeah the the exorcist is you know i think it holds up pretty well but it is an older movie and it it always get gets put at the top of lists but the people putting these lists together i think have similar experience Mm -hmm. to you you know they grew up on this film it was the scariest thing that had ever been released like when it was put out and so, like, you know, like, does it hold up? Is it still actually one of the scariest? Well, maybe. But I, I totally understand it because, like, I'll be vouching for the ring until I'm 80 years old being like, no, 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 no. There's nothing as scary as that. <laughs> and people and the kids, you know, then they'll watch that and they'll be like, this is stupid. Yeah. What? You play a tape and then you die? That's dumb. They'll be watching movies like in VR, like actually <laughs> feeling the knife enter their rib cage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave, what what about you? Any that stand out? Yeah, so I grew up with uh, an older sister who would often have her friends over for sleepovers and whatnot. And she was significant. She's 10 years older than me. So I would be, I was like seven and she had her friends over and they would watch 
Nightmare on Elm Street, those kind of movies. And they used to freak me out so bad. Um, you know, I, I was, there was one, I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street, the second one, maybe the third. There's one where a kid like ends up in a video game and like he's like battling, just getting the shit kicked out of my Freddy and dies in the video game. <laughs> and that always stuck with me because like I was really into Nintendo <laughs> at that time. And I was like, oh my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> then um, the Hellraiser movies really freaked me out because the the pinhead guy yeah he was just unlike any other he wasn't michael myers he was so much different than jason or freddie yeah he was just creepy man and he was just there lurking and he didn't he didn't you know his the way he went about people and about killing like teenagers and stuff it was just terrifying yeah yeah to like a six-year-old that's really fucked up i i i, yeah. I vaguely yeah. remember i, I had I had a doll that looked just way too much like Chucky, Chucky. For, for any time. You know th- that that wasn't good. Those movies and, were horrible. And I don't even think I ever saw. Was it what are they called? They're called Child's, Child's Play? Play. Child's Play. I don't even really think I saw any of them until I was in high school. But I like you. Just that was just one of the horror characters that you knew about and what that what it looked like. And so yeah, that that was pretty creepy. Did y'all Chucky. ever see Leprechaun? Like any of the Leprechaun yeah. movies? Those uh, those were kind. Of, I was a little bit older when those came out, and I remember seeing one and being terrified. Isn't and the then they started that, getting funny. Yeah, yeah. the one that's like yeah. Leprechaun Three: Back to the Hood. Yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I I'm not that. sure. That's uh, that's great. That movie flies today. No, I bet probably that's very not. offensive. Look, yeah. I just typed in '90s horror films, and just to refresh my memory, here's some that used to scare the shit out of me: Candyman. Yeah, yeah. That he used was to scary. get in the, the bathroom and With do that bees? shit. Didn't he have the bees? He had the bees. <laughs> what about Silence of the Lambs? That's that's a great film all around. That was terrifying. Um, I know what you did last summer. That's just a good movie. It wasn't really scary. What did you? We didn't talk about Saw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I saw the first one in theaters, and that was a that was a good. It was new. It was fresh. It was like. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I saw. Maybe I saw. A, I can't stop saying Saul. Um, I think I saw the second one, and then I was done. Yeah, same. I stopped after the first one, even just though I thought it was really well done. That that type of like, I, I just don't want to see that. I, I it, it's like a different. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's not fun watching people have to like torture themselves. No. Basically. Yeah. It that that kind of kicked off a whole line of movies that were just like. How fucked up can we get, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. really want to go down that path. But you're right. It was it was really well done. It was yeah. pretty smart the way they Yeah. Uh, another out. one. I remember, I think I was in ninth grade when Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Yep. That's, yeah. I saw Blair Witch Project in theaters. And when Blair Witch Project ended, when the movie ended, I'll never forget. It was in a super, super crowded theater at Tinseltown in Houston. And as soon as the screen like cut to black and the credits pop up, Somebody just goes, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that, yeah, that, that kind of summed it up for me. Yeah. I remember watching that and the, the rumors where it's like, no, this is actually real. Yeah. Yeah. And this is still, this is, I'm old. I was still having to like read movie reviews in newspapers. (laughs) Um, so I, you know, I couldn't go on Twitter and be like, have some dude spoil it be like, oh no, 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 this is all fake. It's just a movie. Um, this wasn't, you know, a real documentary. But I remember being pretty terrified of that because there's that one glimpse at the end where you can kind of see the mm-hmm. you see the one the one guy like standing in a corner frozen and then you kind of see a glimpse of the what is it is it like a 
It's like a it's like a some witch. type of witch. A yeah. witch, yeah. Yeah. That and it's real movie. subtle. Yeah. But the that, whole thing builds up to that moment. Another one that was quite innovative for the genre and and for that, you know, it, it gets a lot of it gets a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so the only downside here about Haunting of Hill House is that my girlfriend and person that I watch television shows with after two episodes is now just out. That's why I haven't watched it. So and we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. So she is not a horror film person, doesn't like scary stuff. And like even I'm trying to think we would watch. What was the sh- we would watch some some show that wasn't even that scary and like it wasn't even a supposed to be. It was just like a tense show. And like she wouldn't go outside to walk the dog after. <laughs> um, and so she gave episode one a chance. And then I convinced her to go one more. And it was even scarier. <laughs> and, and so it, it ended. And I was like, that's going to be it for you, huh? Yeah. And she was like, yeah. You're, you're going to have some moments here in the next couple of weeks where you're like, yeah, that was for the best. <laughs> Because it, I hate to be just wait guy, but just wait. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's, well, it's I, so it gets so much better. Yeah. So I, now I'm gonna have to find time to watch this on my own, and that that does lead me to an aside that I just thought would be an interesting question, because I now have several of these shows. Do y'all have shows that are solo shows for you that you only watch yourself? Yeah. Wives or girlfriends, not mm-hmm. not included. Yeah. And what are those shows? I actually started one recently. Um, and so anything that falls in this genre, I'm going to have to watch by myself. Okay. And this one is on Netflix called terrorist close calls. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it explains itself. It's close calls that have been foiled. Nice. Ashley would fall asleep. Okay. So that and anything like my favorite show is 60 minutes. Ashley, my wife will love 60 minutes, but anything that has a, 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 like a political piece, Mm -hmm. she's going to be out on. Yeah. So I'll have to save those for myself. And then I have a note here that I was definitely wrong on this. I watched the entire first season of Stranger Things by myself thinking that Ashley would think it was stupid. Yeah. And I was wrong. So I've watched it twice. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a short list. And anything that has anything to do with horror, forget about it. I'm on my own. Not that you? I'm really into it. Right, right. But I've got a few. So one, and this is controversial, Ozark. Okay. She gave up, I think, maybe halfway through season one. So did I. Um, I'm in season two, but I think I'm only five or six episodes in, and it's been a couple of weeks. I, I've kind of lost interest. I'm, I'm with it. I don't hate it, but uh, it's not like I got to get home and watch the next one for me. It's just kind of a, eh, all right, it's a show. I'll put it on this weekend if I've got time. Um, Jack Ryan. I was all in on Jack Ryan. That, I love that shit. She would rather watch The Office, like the, the dinner party episode. Um, Better Call Saul, which is strange because she was all in on Breaking Bad, yeah. my wife, uh, Alyssa. And uh, she just she she doesn't hate it. She watched the first season or parts of it, but it just kind of fell apart for her. And uh, I'm all in on it. I think it's one of the best shows on TV. So, yeah, I'm, uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. I, Better Call Saul is actually one of mine as well. And I, for that one is a, for a couple of reasons. I don't think it, she never watched Breaking Bad, so didn't have like the 
the connection to Better Call Saul anyway. Oh, that's tough. And then also, I think it's a little like I love Better Call Saul. It's one of my favorite TV shows. I'm controversial take, but I actually enjoy it better than Breaking Bad. Wow. And um, but it is it's it's slow. It's nuanced. Like it, they take so much time with like little minutia and details. But that's it's definitely kinda, it's kind of why I love it. Um, she might, I probably could have gotten in, her into it, but I was like three seasons in already when this last season came out. So, you know, that too, too, too late, too far gone. Um, she also will not watch any, like any comedies that are what I would call have any element of like zaniness to them. So American Vandal, I have to watch on my own Rick and Morty. I have to watch on my <laughs> own big mouth on Netflix gotta watch on my own so like like all of those types of like comedies doesn't matter how smart they are if they are no cartoons and nothing that's oh, like, yeah. that's like you know too silly or zany mm-hmm. she's Dude, out, Alyssa's that, out on so. south park. childish stuff. she thinks south park she does not find it fu- as funny as i do she didn't yeah. find it funny at all and i'm still i'm still doing it like 17 seasons later so later. am i i love south park <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh, oh also narcos she she watched the first season and then i kept going and she's out on that, which yeah, I get. It's. I think this last season might have been its best. Yeah. But. but such is life. I'm sure we'll be dealing this with this forever. And now add Haunting of Hill House to that list. I will be continuing to watch it. And Dave, when I'm finished, love to have you back on to talk about the this the season as a whole. Definitely. When uh, what's your watching schedule? Are you watching it at night when she goes to bed or So so I actually just the 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 cutoff the second episode and no moss from her actually happened last night. So we'll 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 see where where I'm able to find time to uh to squeeze it in. But I'm I'm in on the show, so I'm going to make time. Definitely do your best to watch it at night. Yeah. It's just one of those shows that it's not the same when there's sunlight. I, I'm totally with you. You have yeah, to have, I, you I have don't to wanna, set the tone and the mood. Yes. Yeah. You want it. You kind of want the thrill. You want it. To yeah. Be, you psych yourself uh, up for it, and then yeah. Next thing you know, you're you're doing a sweep of the house before you go to bed, <laughs> check in every room. You're like, fuck, well, man. Well, so very important thing to remember uh, well, on this type of show. I, I like to set my leave myself enough time for a palate cleanser right. afterwards. Right. That's smart. So I like to hit, like I like to be able to hit you know an episode of The Office or Thirty Rock or something like that post show. You to need kind of decompress and not just try to go to bed right after watch, watching it. Dave goes right to bed. <laughs> yeah, I do, it. man. I just like to decompress. <laughs> loves it. Kind of break it down in my head. My just, dreams. I mean, <laughs> yeah, your dreams are guaranteed to be a little messed up yeah. and you just go straight to bed after uh, after this one. Yeah, it's um. It's it's so well done. I'm I'm, I'm wondering if it'll have any uh, awards thrown its way. Yeah, that, that, because there's some good there's some really good writing and some really good acting. That in. that will be interesting. Dave, uh, where can we hear more scary stories from you? Well, you can uh, find me and my scary stories on the Touching Base podcast. It's myself, Dylan, and Will Will DeFreeze. They've both been on here. Um, follow us at Touching Base PGP on Instagram. Uh, touching base podcast on twitter i might have gotten those reversed just look up touching base pod you'll find us somewhere but check us out it's good stuff uh if you like scary stuff go check out our last three episodes we read some scary stories that were user submitted so uh it's pretty good stuff awesome thank you for uh for joining us for some spooky talk and we'll talk to you soon dave thanks Thanks for having me on good stuff all right thanks to our guest david ruff for being here to talk about some scary shows and movies Before we get into the second half of our conversation, though, 
Let's talk about MeUndies. Go to MeUndies.com slash cool to check them out. You've probably heard of MeUndies before. Maybe you know about them because they you know that they do like fun, seasonal, cool prints. But it's a lot more than that. Today, I have on a pair of the men's trunks. I talked about this two weeks ago, but I, this is the this is the style that I really, really like and you know essentially swear by it's basically a it's basically a short boxer brief and it's like if you want if if you want to put on what you know cristiano ronaldo has on it's a trunk all the athletes and the models they're wearing trunks that's what i like that's what's the most comfortable they come in very cool like seasonal patterns right now there's a member exclusive that's like a jean michael basquiat print that's really really cool the solid colors are great uh, the dark sapphire, which is the navy color, is very, very nice. And the color that I have on right now is actually called Goblin Blue. You Ew. know, it is spooky season. Uh, they they had great Halloween prints, and I'm sure that they've got other stuff coming out for for Thanksgiving or maybe Christmas. Maybe you can expect to see some Santa patterns. They use a micro modal fabric, and here's why. Here's why that's better than cotton because it's three times as soft, Phil. Three times. You're not going to find that anywhere else. That's the thing. So I really couldn't believe how soft these things were. It's exactly what you want down there. You know, you're moving around, you're walking, you're sitting. You don't want that rough-ass cotton, you know, just just messing with stuff no, down there. Not down no, there. you want silky smooth micro-modal, which is what MeUndies is giving to you. Again, go to MeUndies.com slash cool to check them out. You will get 15% off your entire first order. And while you're there, another suggestion, look at their women's stuff. Or if you're a, if you, if you are a woman, look at their men's stuff because I, I like both sides of this. And the women's stuff has a bunch of cool and honestly kind of hot boy shorts and bralettes and, you know, like really comfortable underwear that's also pretty sexy. So if you're looking for a gift for a significant other, this is a great place to start. It's wearable, but it's cool and it's super comfortable. Again, that's MeUndies.com slash cool. Give them a look. You will not be disappointed. All of their stuff comes with 100% satisfaction guarantee. So this is a no-risk move. Check them out. You're going to love it. MeUndies.com slash cool. All right. Now, Phil and I, we're going to talk about some streetwear stuff this afternoon. A couple of uh, kind of recent news items that have come out this past week. And uh, and they seem like good things, good topics for uh, this Club Cool Podcast. Good pod- things. Good things. Good things for this Club <laughs> Cool Podcast to be talking about. The first one is a new collaboration that's launching on November 9th. It's between Palace and Ralph Lauren. <whistles> so not exactly the collaboration that you were just expecting. Not at all. For 2018, really. Um. They've put out a lookbook. The full product line has not been revealed yet. That's to be revealed in the coming days. But the lookbook is pretty is pretty interesting. And what they're calling this is Palace Ralph Lauren. So instead of Polo Ralph Lauren, it's Palace Ralph Lauren. Uh, um, and it is, man, I don't, I, what I would describe this is like a, is, is Ralph Lauren's take on a streetwear capsule right now. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw like the the images, like quote unquote leaked images of like the palace 
underneath the under the, the, the polo horse. Yep. I thought that that was fake. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't seem it's not at the top of mind that they would collab. But um, now seeing the lookbook, it makes sense. It's some pretty cool stuff in here. Yeah, and just if you're not familiar with Palace, I, I would basically call them the United Kingdom's Supreme. Mm-hmm. They are they're they're based uh, over there in the UK. And they are a skate-heavy brand. They've done collaborations with Adidas in the past. And you're very likely to see Jonah Hill wearing Mm -hmm. some palace because he's been kind of like an unofficial spokesman for them, has maybe even appeared in some of of their campaigns and lookbooks. Um, I I, I really like Palace's stuff. I actually, I don't own any Supreme. I own one thing from Palace. I own a hoodie. It's cool, too. And it's... It's super comfortable. The quality is great. Uh, like a lot of this stuff, the 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 hype ended up just kind of like pushing me out of it mm-hmm. because when when their drops release, it's immediate sellouts. It's instant sellout, and I you know I, I I'm just tired of that. Shit. Got time for I, that. I don't have time for that. Yeah. At this point, I, I'm not trying to like plug in my credit card information as fast as I possibly can. Yeah. To, cop some limited edition stuff although that is fun it, it is it is it just i'm not in tune or in love with the brand enough to to do it mm-hmm. you know uh but i like this i like what i'm seeing from the lookbook here and there's one piece that stands out immediately and i i didn't look too much into the internet buzz about this before i looked at the lookbook because i just wanted to take it all in and kind of like make my own judgment and um, there is a sweater that is the polo bear doing a kickflip. By far the best piece um, in this lookbook. Yeah. And that has, that, that's just, that it's so perfect. It's so of the moment. It's great. And I did a little bit more research and the internet is already going crazy over, really? over this sweater. So this thing, th- this is the, s- the signature piece for sure. This mm-hmm. thing will sell out instantly and resale will be kind of insane for mm-hmm. it. Uh, here's why I'm okay with that. I don't skate. <laughs> you so, don't? So no, no. L- everybody knows that about me. <laughs> and if you didn't, no, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't skateboard. So I feel kind of like a poser wearing this polo bear mm-hmm. doing a kickflip because I've never done a kickflip or even an ollie in my entire life. The closest I came was trying to do a handlebar spin on a Razor scooter in like seventh grade. What happened? I didn't do it very well. You didn't land it? <laughs> I did not land it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I had a ramp, though. And yeah. I could go off the ramp on uh-huh. my Razor scooter. Side note, we, we had some little mini ramps that we would ride bikes on, but no, never skateboarded. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were on the bikes, too. But yeah. then one summer, pa- the, the, the Razors over. just took over, and, and <laughs> we were just razoring around everywhere. Yeah. Um, now you're birding around. Now I'm birding around. Now we're birding or, or liming around. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of prep here. It's it's a lot of kind of very traditional polo. Um, there are plaid pants. There are some like Oxford cloth button down collar yeah. shirts. And so a lot of this, like some of it that I just I can't do, which is ninety percent of the stuff. But anything that's like that oversized pajama look i mean it really looks like pajamas mm-hmm. the, the the oversized plaid pants yes that, that could be worn on christmas morning unwrapping gifts i'm with you yep but that would be dope if you're wearing those well in you, you know like somebody like fear of god that did some similar stuff but in their silhouette yeah. where it's like very clearly 
like a fashion piece mm-hmm. is maybe a little bit more wearable, but then you render it in this kind of like even more modern, like back to baggy cut. And look at those loafers. And you're and you're right. It does it does have that pajama pant look kind of. Do you but see those loafers? I didn't yeah. even notice they did those. Yeah. The uh the kind of like silk pattern hmm. loafers. And the silk pants that is like that throwback Burberry Gucci yes. look. Yep. And or Versace. There's even like critter motifs. There's there's the little embroidered pattern on some mm-hmm. of this stuff. And the I, I can't yeah, what I, I can't pull up the lookbook big enough to see exactly what that pattern is, but it's just interesting to see them kind of throwing it back to some of this more prepster type stuff. It's cool, and I, I really enjoyed the uh, the neon embroidery on, on a lot of that stuff. Um, so I, I've been noticing and reading some tidbits here and there about like you know like prep had this huge huge wave. Deck shoes were back. Saint Laurent was doing boat shoes. For uh, Kanye was wearing pink polos. Like we got very, very mm-hmm. preppy for a little while, kind of leading up to like the big hashtag menswear movement, which then fell out of vogue in favor of all this streetwear stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it was really only a matter of time before somebody started including this type of look, like yeah, back in the catalog. Oh hey, you know it's not been popular for a while. Mm-hmm. Like prep looks. Let's bring let's bring that shit back. Fuck it. And um, you know, leave it to Ralph Lauren, who's worked with all like the U.S. Open tennis teams and golf teams, and done the Olympic uniforms for the last, yeah, you know, s- several, uh, several Olympics. Leave it to them to like stick t- to their kind of preppy roots and guns to kind of lead this charge with a streetwear behemoth like Palace. Um. Rugby's are coming back. We've seen those from several brands mm-hmm. like Amy Leander, Amy Leandor and Noah and even J. Crew, another prepster staple. Saw woven leather belts in some of these pictures as well. So it, 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 we're doing some of the kind of like the clashing as well because Palace is so skate heavy and now we're bringing Ralph Lauren mm-hmm. prep into the mix. It's just kind of an interesting mixture here. And it, it works kinda, though. And it kind of segues in to this next topic here, which is the streetwear bubble. Yesterday or the day before, High Snobiety released an article called, Is the Streetwear Bubble About to Burst? And it basically talks about how streetwear is showing a lot of the signs that like, you know, the subprime mortgage crisis was showing. And <laughs> Nothing like the, <laughs> comparing streetwear to the sub, subprime and mortgage the, crisis. the dot-com bubble in the late yeah. 90s, early 2000s. And very famous, famous, if you've ever like studied like boom markets or, or hype or like, or boom bust type stuff, then you might, are you familiar with like the tulip? I'm not. The, the, the tulip thing from no. like the 1700s? No. It was basically, it's basically the first documented boom market of all ever in history and it was like in 16th or 17th or 18th century europe and maybe it was even before that and what's now the netherlands uh like basically the wealthy got obsessed with tulips they'd never seen anything like the color in these Mm -hmm. flowers and I'll, i'll i'll pull up some of the some of the quotes here okay so yeah it was is 17th century in the dutch republic in the 17th century tulip mania gripped what is today the netherlands the event is often considered to be the first ever market bubble 
perfect storm of free market capitalism, consumerism, and social trend. It saw a new wealthy elite go crazy for tulips. The Dutch elite became obsessed with trading tulip bulbs, and a boom market was born. At the height of the craze in 1637, a single tulip bulb is reported to have been valued at more than 10 times the annual salary of a skilled worker. <laughs> what? Yes. The, the, this story it was popularized in a book called Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. And uh, it was written that one man had traded 12 acres of land for a single bulb. Get the fuck out of yes, here. Yes, a futures market was set up in 1636 for tulips. Do they realize that these but things sh- die? But shorting was banned. You couldn't short tulips. And then, just not even a year later, February 1637, it all came crashing down. And like people lost everything in some cases <laughs> because they had <laughs> bet on these tulip futures that everybody just went nuts for. Wow. Anyways, so Hyacinth is like pointing to some, to some of the signs of this potential, um, you know, bubble getting ready to pop. And so here's what they say. One, sign one, there's a huge set of products that are overinflated in price, bearing little relation to the intrinsic value of the garment because its value has been been defined solely by hype. Yes. Yeah, I'd say we're there. For sure. We also have sign two, industry-wide speculation, which is the second telltale sign of a bubble, the prices are not consistent from one outlet to another. You can go to StockX, Grailed, eBay, Stadium yeah. Goods, and Goat, and you can find different prices mm-hmm. for w- any given sneaker. Yeah. So there's industry speculation about exactly how much these things are worth at their current point. Uh, and and they go on to kind of outline that first, first, you have displacement, a new paradigm is touted. Uh, in this case, it's the drop model the big release, the hyped launch, a boom, and then euphoria, known as, this is my favorite part, the greater fool phase, where valuation reaches absurd levels, such as May 2018 at a supreme auction in Paris. They garnered about a million dollars for essentially mass-produced tchotchkes with supreme logos emblazoned on them. Wow. Step four, profit-taking, the phase in which smart people grab their money and get out. And finally, five, panic, which is self-explanatory. That's mm-hmm. where everybody is like, oh, my God, I have to get rid of this stuff. It's worthless. It's, that's what I'll call the beanie baby phase. Ah, yes. <laughs> we need to get back into those. Yeah. So there, some are saying that we're right, that we're here in number four. We're in profit-taking. Okay. Like that, that, that this is the moment where smart people will cash in. By selling their hyped shit. By I, I think you could I think you could kind of cover the industry with that, whether it's like selling out of your solely hype based company or but mm-hmm. it, but I think definitely on that more like granular level it, it'd be about yeah. getting rid of your super hyped stuff, your sneakers selling for the profit now because you see a dip coming. And exhibit A to the first sign that you mentioned, um, set of products that are overinflated in price bearing little relation to the intrinsic value is all of the merchandise all of the stuff that is that was started by I don't know if it was started but um with Kanye selling concert merch I mean that kind of morphed into his Yeezy line yeah that is nothing but I don't know about the Yeezy line but the concert merch is definitely Gildan Gildan yes which is a I mean, the cheapest blank, one of the cheapest blanks you can get your hands on, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
like uh, less than in many cases less than two dollars a shirt and then exhibit b supreme a lot of that stuff is printed on hanes beefy tees mm-hmm. or hanes blanks yep which is one step above gildan yeah yeah uh it's a. Re- I'll tweet out this link because it's it's really interesting and it, and it has some great quotes that are kind of interesting to think about as far as streetwear goes as well. Um, one of the ones is like, how do you the 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 Palace Polo Ralph Lauren thing got me thinking about this. Like, what is streetwear at this point? Because as preppy as all of that looks, I still would define that collection as streetwear. The Ralph Lauren Palace? The Ralph Lauren Palace stuff, right? Because it's like appealing to... Yeah. Because it's appealing to the streetwear crowd. It is based in like a skate or prepster subculture, essentially. Yeah. And so I I thought this quote, which is actually from Jerry Lorenzo, the, the owner and creative director and designer of Fear of God, he wants to find streetwear in the following way. Quote, no investors, no partners, etc. The product is pure as we're not on the fashion calendar. I guess anything we would be considered street that comes outside of the traditional fashion system. He's not on the fashion calendar, fear of God, but a lot of these other hype brands are. Well, and so what the, it goes on as soon as it uses that quote from him to basically say that like fear of God is totally fashion now. Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not it, like, and, and I think that's, that's one of the things that is probably leading to the possible bubble bursting is that like streetwear no longer it's because it's been so adopted by fashion with a capital F Mm -hmm. like it no longer has that like counterculture appeal like oh I'm in a small in group and we're we know what we're doing we're doing this like alternative thing that's cooler than like the mainstream bullshit that y'all are paying attention to right because this this all started as like as like surf and skate and and ski and like and supreme is i mean is the perfect example these little kind of subsets that kind of found their own little niche Uh and were making these smaller brands cool yeah and and the drops were cool because they weren't seasonal launches they weren't seasonal releases they weren't showing at paris fashion week and so with this whole, like, all this blending together, it's like losing its, what originally made it cool. They sort of like, we don't really care and we don't give a fuck about the fashion industry vibe. Yeah. But now they're winning awards at these major fashion award shows. Yep. Um, which blows my mind. Not that I pay that much attention to that stuff, but for the creative director of Supreme to win that award, he deserves a lot of credit i don't think it's in particular credit for being fashion forward it's for marketing i mean that is genius marketing yeah. so he created uh hysteria which is another yes he did he created hysteria and it's a, another one of my favorite quotes here <laughs> streetwear and sneaker culture is a form of mass hysteria <laughs> propagated by the internet and fueled by insecurity <laughs> <laughs> It really is, and it, man. I love that because it, it is. That's exactly what it is. That is exactly what it is. Like this, you know, this past weekend with the uh, the the Yeezy five hundred or whatever, whatever those are, seven hundred something. Yeah, mauve. the mauve, the Yeezy mauves. They released and they sat, dude. And I kept seeing them on like multiple different websites, just sitting. 
And I like, I, I don't want them, but I had the itch. I had the itch. Did you really? Yeah. And I knew I didn't want them. I knew I they I didn't like them. I I want other stuff a lot more. But it's like the that that feeling of like, well, maybe they maybe they're worth yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe like the hype's gonna catch on in a month, and I'm gonna be glad I I bought these. That's the hype piece of your brain yeah, that is just firing it, off exactly when it sees that kind gears, of stuff. The that that hysteria that like is like built into you for that type of release now yeah. you're like conditioned to it and so it's it you you have to learn how to like shut that shut yeah. that part off it's like gambling it's mm-hmm. like well maybe if i sit here for one more hand <laughs> no get out um but and and so you know just to to to, to bring a bringing back in that like that high fashion conceptualization of what street war is it, here's another piece that i thought was interesting there's a simple fact about the movement. It's easy produce. It's easy to produce, relying heavily on graphics and screen printing rather than cut and sew, and it's culturally viable. People want streetwear because it looks cool, validated by celebrities around the world, and it's comfortable. And it's like what 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 Supreme did basically was it gave Gucci the opportunity to sell a screen printed t-shirt for $500. Right. Yeah. It gave Balenciaga and Demna Vesalia, like the opportunity to print Balenciaga Mode on, on a, anything on a hoodie and sell it for twelve hundred dollars. It's crazy, dude. That is that is offensive. That like, kind of shit, I can't stand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, when you th- when you really think about like that, h- how is streetwear cool anymore? Because it's been co opted and just like taken to it's most absurd extreme by high fashion at this point. Yeah. But the first time I ever saw anything from Vedmont is when I really started to doubt myself. Yeah. I mean, everything I knew about streetwear, I was like, this is total bullshit. Like if you're out there putting a Fila hoodie on the market for over a grand, just because it's got your logo like in the neck, yeah, that's that's crazy, man. So, you know, one of their their kind of final thoughts or, or concluding thoughts is streetwear has long battled for legitimacy in the fashion universe. But now that its coup d'etat has succeeded, it's left with little to give besides a hype based business model and a penchant for styling, photography and marketing that makes it all look a lot more exciting than it actually is. Um, anyways, all really, really interesting stuff to think about and i don't think the the bubble has burst yet no but it'll be interesting to see where we go from here because i i mean i'd say the fever pitch is at it as at its height like i don't know if it can go any further than it has well two two good things to look at is people that are like diversifying out of just exclusively streetwear that are big names off-white and then John Elliott. I mean, John Elliott was just mainly really nice sweatpants and mm-hmm. hoodies for a while, and now he's getting into really nice, not high fashion, but nicer women's wear. Sure. And, oh, you know, like top coats and stuff like that for men. And then Off-White has like a whole couture right. selection out there for women. Yeah, they're fleshing out their lines mm-hmm. to include a whole lot more than hoodies and tees, yeah. basically. Um, I've... 
been exchanging some emails with a girl that works for Neiman Marcus, mm-hmm. and she's sending me some really, really cool stuff that I've I've been saving for a future episode that, that it, kind of getting into like some what what we can expect for spring 2018. But one of the things that I pulled from kind of a, a this 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 outline that she sent me is, and and I think this is actually a, a telltale sign as well. Sneakers were largely absent from men's runway from men's runways for the spring 2018 stuff. Wow, and not completely absent, but yeah. they were not in every single look like they have been for yeah. the past few years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you saw a lot, like a lot more, like classic classic footwear mm-hmm. and boots and oxfords and derbies and and that type of thing like so so have you seen this pair of gucci sneakers that has like the big straps on it with all the jewels yeah, i hate those like it's just like the, we've we've taken it as far as it can go it's over you took the chunky sneaker it's over and we blew it up and we put three <laughs> soles on it and then you took that and, you, and then you wrapped leather straps with big ass bejeweled encrusted what's next pieces on it like there's no further that you can take this this thing yeah you You can't you can't put those things on and think that i mean i'm sure you can that that looks great but yeah i'm with you barrett i think that um i really hope that i like i have a note here that i sure as hell hope that the this bubble's about to pop because that means i mean i'm not i'm getting older here (laughs) you know and the older i get the stupider i look wearing yeezys or like white crew neck socks i won't even wear those now (laughs) with with shorts on and i'm damn sure not wearing them with like gym shorts yeah you know i just can't pull that off and so i hope that the bubble bursts and we can all get back onto something else where we're all just lose our fucking minds over it and get all hyped up about the next you're right though you're right though we can't be 40 and and you can't and pulling this stuff off um, and you know, again, this is this is not to say that I that I suddenly hate the look. The last thing, the last fit pick that I posted is like a hoodie, joggers, and you know, Nike and and mm-hmm. hyped up Nikes, basically. I took the pick, so it's like it, you know, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that the look is necessarily going away immediately. It, it's it's more a question of like how much longer can this can the hype model sustain itself the ridiculousness of it and and how much further can we take $1200 hoodies and $500 t-shirts and and can't you know what i mean get rid of them right there's always going to be that market though for that really high end stupid yeah stuff of course of course so i'm sure we'll touch on this more in the coming weeks we'll we'll be looking out for more signs of the bubble bursting and uh you'll hear it first right here you 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 might you just might and we'll uh we'll start talking about well if it is over what comes next all that and more coming up very soon uh next week or the week after we'll definitely have more listener voicemails i I, i'm seeing all the dms a lot of your questions are are getting pretty specific and don't necessarily lend themselves to like broader topics of conversation on the podcast um, so sometimes it just takes me longer to find time to kind of answer those directly, but I almost always do the hat giveaway. If I did not, resp- if I didn't, if I was not able to respond to your direct message on Instagram or Twitter on one of the various accounts, the hats have all been, uh, 
taken. They are all spoken for at this point. Wow. Although I do very, very much appreciate you sharing this podcast with your friends anyways. And good news, I think we are going to get another run of these hats produced. And this time we'll actually be selling them. So you won't have to do anything except for buy them. Um, It's just as easy as that. Speaking of hype. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we're only making seven of them. (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to charge $100 each. Yeah, it's no, totally I'm, worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, follow me on my personal accounts at Barrett Dudley. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Club Cool Pod. We're just posting kind of all sorts of sh- stuff that relates to the podcast. And, uh, you know, we're doing a big plaid coat thing. It's big for fall. Hashtag big plaid coats. <laughs> and uh, on Instagram, I'm, I'm sorry, on Twitter, also at Club Cool Pod starting to get a little bit more active on that account. That's where I'm going to push out links. I'll tweet sales that I'm paying attention to. I'll I'll tweet out items that are that are on my wish list. I'll do a bunch of stuff like that. So it it won't be as uh as curated necessarily as the Instagram. It'll be more informational. That's valuable stuff right there, yeah. folks. So that's at Club Cool Pod on Twitter and Instagram. This is the podcast where style this is the podcast that meets at the intersection of style and pop culture. You got that right. Sorry about that. <laughs> Brain fart. Phil, where can we follow you? Uh, Instagram, Tag. P is in podcast. <laughs> B-A-T-T-A-G. All right. Well, that's cool. been it for our Halloween spooky special edition, V18. And we'll see you next week with more great content on V19 of the Club Cool Podcast. See ya.